Truth. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the love that we have for one another. And God, I just pray that you would continue to uh, give us that love. Give us gentleness and kindness. kindness. Give us temperance towards one another. Lord, let us see each other as the, uh, in the value that, you, that you've put upon us. Lord, you love us and cherish us. And you love our very souls. And, and God, I pray that we would extend that same love to one another. Uh, God, be with me. Speak through me. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, I've been reading through Ecclesiastes. I had no intention of preaching from Ecclesiastes today, uh, but this, this caught my eye. I was telling Gordon a, a minute ago that Ecclesiastes, that is, that's not a book for chumps. And uh, if you study it, like even the idea of, of, of preaching it just seems, well, I, if you want to depress church, uh, the first thing you do is just go to Ecclesiastes and begin preaching it. Uh, it's, a t- it's a tough book. I don't know how much you know about it. Uh, it's, a, a, it's a book that was written by King Solomon near the end of his life. And uh, Solomon had everything. God had given him everything. And he was living, really living in the blessing of his father's da- uh, father David's faith. And uh, the beginning of his uh, monarchy was very, very strong. Uh, God had grown Israel to be an exceptional kingdom in the world. Uh, King Solomon had all kinds of wisdom. Uh, he was a, a wonderful judge over the people. Uh, he was a man of the people. But there was many compromises that he made throughout his life, uh, particularly the relationships that he had with women and, and, the, and the lack of purity that he had in his life that led to the downfall, uh, really eventually, of his kingdom and the captivity of Israel. And so we won't get into all that, but what I want you to know is that this book was written at the end of his life, really in a place of great cynicism. Uh, great darkness, where he's looking back and he's, he's seeing things in light of the wisdom that he has. Okay? He has the knowledge, he has the understanding of, of his frailty and his weakness. And he's considering all the ways in which our world fails. And so here we are, we're going we're gonna to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And we're going to talk today about three principles, just three principles for keeping MBT a healthy church. And as I was reading through chapter 10... I saw a few things that, that, that Solomon says here that actually kind of function as a, uh, a lesson for us on how to keep MBT healthy. I don't know if you recognize this or not, uh, but you hear lots of people talk maybe about their churches or you watch TV and you see churches on television or you follow podcasts here and there. And the thing that I recognize about church and Christianity today is that it's, it's weak. Uh, it's weak. And uh, American Christianity in particular uh, is um, uh, entertainment focused. I mean, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about this. A lot of you know this, but it's entertainment focused. It's comfortable. Uh, it, uh, it lacks a focus on God's word. Uh, there's a failure in leadership. The greatest leaders uh, in Christianity today, in American Christianity, t- tend to fall into t- temptation very easily or at a minimum just lack accountability and blamelessness. Uh, they don't know how to watch their mouths. Um, and, and, and so what we have is a culture of Christianity in America today uh, that is dangerous to the gospel. It's dangerous to the gospel. It's an impediment to the gospel. And what we have here at MBT is actually very unique. We are not perfect by any means, but there are certain things that we need to recognize are of great value and give us strength. Okay, that are in, things that are working in our favor that allow us to have fellowship just like we have this morning. And those are things that are worth taking care of. 
Those are things worth making provision for. These are things worth us laying our lives down for. And I want us to be aware of those things this morning. And we're going to look at Ecclesiastes as a, as a measuring rod for where we're at. Okay, so let's go ahead and look at the passage. Let's start in verse 5. Solomon's speaking here, and he says, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. So he's talking about rulers here. He's talking about overseers. Uh, kings, specifically. Well, we're going to look at this in light of rulers within our churches. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich is set in low place. Okay, so what is he saying here? All right, What he's saying is that it's common for him to look out on the landscape of all of the kingdoms that he sees, and to see rulers, people who are ruling over people who should not be there. These are, these are men of folly, men of folly, women of folly, people who are foolish, people who are not proven out in positions of leadership, and he sees those that should be in leadership are ignored. And they're set in a position of servanthood, and they're not in their rightful place. Let's look on at the, at the passage here and see an example that he gives. Verse 7, he says, I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about is that, that MBT chooses to raise up leaders in a very unique way in this world. Okay, so in most, most churches, most churches, they have promising young people coming up in ministry. And what they do is they, that person says, I think God's called me to the ministry. And so what they do is they ship that person to a seminary somewhere. And they get trained at the feet of people who often lack faith, uh, who have very little experience in ministry. And they... Um, in some cases, are actually just, for lack of a better term, agnostic. These are people, a lot of times, professors who are wavering in their own faith. And that's who they learn from. And then they graduate from school and they learn this idea that Christianity and and the pastorate is a bit of a business. And so you get your foot in the door at some church, you start fishing out your applications, you get in somewhere... And then you, you work a youth minister position for a few years. And then you look for something else, an associate position somewhere else. And you bounce around from church to church. You never buy a field. And you work the game. It's a career. That's how most Christianity works. That's how most pastors got into the position that they're in. They worked that game. But not at MBT. Not at MBT. See, at MBT we do something that's very unique. What we do is we prove out leaders over time. And we watch young people. And we watch people that come into their 20s and we watch their faith and we watch them prove themselves out and we watch them make sacrifice and we watch them go on mission trips and they come up and they come up and they, and they have a family and they have children and they, we watch how they, they, they raise up their children and we, and we see what kind of parents they are and we watch them over time and we watch them prove themselves out in ministry and those are the people that we appoint to the positions of leadership in this church. Now I want to I say this, this is a precious thing that we do. And it is a thing of great value. And with that in mind, we need to make sure that we check our hearts and we don't ask the Lord or even desire to consume it upon our, our lust. That we be put in positions of leadership that are ab- above and beyond our maturity. And this happens. And I see this in Kaya and I see it everywhere in our church. It's not just a Kaya thing. This is a church-wide thing, especially among men who desire to have positions of leadership and they want those things not in their time, or in, in God's timing, they want it in their timing. Let's look at a couple of passages real quick. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. 
For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. In due time, in his timing. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is something that I had to learn as a young man. This is something that was very difficult. I knew in my heart that God was making me a pastor long before they ordained me. And it was something I had, to, I had to work through in patience, trusting the Lord that the leadership would see it. And in time, God did work that out. Here's the thing that we also need to recognize is that God does not want us to promote novices. He does not want us to promote people into positions of authority before they're ready to do it. Okay, this is, this is him guarding his rulership in the churches. Because he knows what happens when, when rulers fall. When a novice takes a position of leadership beyond their years, there will be failure and it will cause harm to the church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 says, Not a novice. This is talking about the qualifications of the pastorate. Not a novice, thus being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. And you might say to yourself, well, I'm not a novice. I've proven myself out. Well, I think God knows that better than you. I think God knows that better than you. And so I think that he can give you the grace necessary to waiting on his timing. So even though you might not think that you're a novice, he might see things in you that he hasn't quite worked out yet. So here's our key point number one. Leadership roles are for proven ministers at MBT. And that's why MBT is strong. That's why MBT is growing. That's why we have the fellowship that we have. That's why we have an emphasis on the word that we have. That's why the structure is what it is. That's why we're planting churches. Okay? Because God has chosen to work out a plan and a vision in our church that looks like leadership roles being for proven ministers. And we have to accept that. That is if we want to continue to have a healthy church. Now with that in mind, let's talk about how how we're tempted sometimes to fight against the structure of the church. The next point is, uh, is about protecting the principles. We have, we have nine principles in our church that we abide by. But we actually, if we're talking about principle, uh, we're talking about structure, we're talking about vision, we're talking about all the things that God has made MBT to be, a cultural identity, if you will. Okay, And there's a lot of things that MBT is that make us unique. Here's what Solomon says. In, in light of talking about rulership and leadership, look at verse 8. Listen to what he says. And this is about those who oppose leadership. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Whoso removeth stone shall be hurt therewith. And he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. So let's talk inspirationally about what this means. Okay, so what does he say first? He says, he that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And I, and I, and I want to point this out. And I don't have time to, to go into this the way I wanted to. But... But a lot of times what we do is we create pits in ministry for people to fall into. And this is what it looks like. It's, it's a pit in our heart. Okay? Expe- we set expectations for people. The leaders in our life, the ministers, the people who have oversight of us, expectations that people cannot meet. And by doing that, we, we create a pit for them to fall into. I mean, if you've ever seen these cartoons, right? Right? Wiley Coyote or whoever it might be, they dig a pit, they lay something over it, right? For someone, to, a trap for someone to fall into. And a lot of times in ministry, what we do, because we resent the leadership or we resent the vision and we resent the principles, what we do is we get a little bit of bitterness and what we do is we begin to form traps in our heart. Pits for people to fall into. 
But what Solomon says is the person that sets the pit is the one that falls into it. It never works out to their advantage. It never works out for you to form bitterness in your heart or frustration with the way the things proceed. Okay? I don't really like how they do that thing. I don't really like what they're doing over there. What Pastor Kitty said, uh, I, you know, I'm really struggling with that. And rather than giving that patience and time and grace and choosing to submit to the structure that God has given you, what we do is we form pits. We form pits. You know, this also says, Whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Now, what this is saying is, do you, you know what a hedge is? A hedge is any sort of boundary. But oftentimes, a hedge is something that's grown. It's shrubbery, right? You might have, you might, at your house, you might have a hedge, which is just like a boundary that's made up of shrubbery or plant life that's really dense, that's hard to pass through. Um, we live on truce, and so, I, you know, with that in mind, um, you know, there are certain things that you do to protect your home just in case a, a crackhead might stumble around into your neighborhood or, you know, so we've got hedges underneath our windows so that it's not easy for someone to break into windows that are easily accessible. That's just, that's just strategy on my part. We have these hedges because hedges are not easy to cross. They function as a boundary and so that people can't get into the window of your home very easily. Our ministry has grown. It took time. It's taken about 12 years for us to grow the hedges outside of our windows, to build the culture that we have, to create the principles that we have, to build the leaders that we have. It's taken time. And some people seek to tear down those hedges. And they do it. They start with their heart, and then they do it in their actions, their deeds, and their words. They undermine things. They undermine the principles. They undermine the leadership. And by doing that, they're trying to tear out the hedges, and guess what? A snake will bite them. A snake will bite them. It does not work out to your advantage. It does not work out to your advantage. It only causes harm to you. It might, it might cause harm to our church. It might cause harm to our culture. But ultimately, you're working against yourself. Whoso removeth stones from the wall, right? The idea of a stone wall shall be hurt therewith. And he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. Key point number two. Biblical principles are reinforced by your words and actions. The biblical principles of our church, the vision, the culture, it's reinforced by your words, the things that you say, and your actions. And likewise, it's undermined by your words and actions. So choose them wisely. Be careful with the way that you speak about leadership. Be careful with the, with the type of fellowship that you have, the things that, that you divulge. We need to protect one another. We need to protect one another's faith. We need to submit to the principles. And by doing that, we'll retain unity. Last, last point. Last point. We've got to keep moving. Solomon says, If the iron be blunt, and he do, he do not wet the edge, then must he put uh, to more strength, but wisdom is, is profitable to direct. Okay, so here's the point. He's talking about an iron tool that requires sharpening. The idea of, of wetting the edge means sharpening the blade of a tool. Okay, our, our tool is the Word of God. That's our tool. That's what we use. And in our church, we sharpen that tool. We're really we're about sharpening the tool. Now, here's the interesting thing. That, that if you have a tool, an, an iron tool, just like the one that's being described here, and it's blunt, guess what you have to do? To use it. You have to use more force. In ministry, if your tool is not sharpened, then you're going to trust in the wisdom of your flesh. It's the only way to get the job done. 
And what will happen is you'll slip into a way of thinking that, well, you know, I haven't spent time much with God recently. And I don't, you know, my heart isn't right, but I've got to do the work today. I've got to go to church. I've got to do hospitality. I've got to preach today. I've got to teach today. I've got to leave my Bible study tonight. And what you're doing is you're going into the work with a blunt object. And you are going, the only way to get the job done is going to be to use your flesh and your best work. And that will not work. It will not work. In time, it will fail you. And it will harm the ministry. And if we're going to keep a healthy ministry, then we need to keep our weapons sharp. And around here, what that means is you start with discipleship. And then you go to D2. And then you go to LFBI. And you, and you go to Bible study. You don't have excuses for not going to Bible study. You don't have excuses for not going to church. You don't find reasons to allow your instrument to be corroded. Because yeah. it will rust. And it will grow blunt, and it will grow ineffective, and you will be an ineffective minister. And you will come, and you will sit in a pew every week, and we'll pat you on the back, and we'll say, Hey, brother, where were you last week? We were looking for you at Bible study. We love you. And you will grow resentful, and you will sit in that pew, and you will grow corrosive and useless to this church. And you will cause us to be that much more unhealthy. No excuses. Sharp weapons. Pointed weapons. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is a surgical tool. And the only way, my wife worked in operating for years, operating room for years. Those tools have to be precise. They have to be. Or the job will not get done right. Key point number three, wisdom in ministry is a Christian with a ready blade. Wisdom. What does it say? It says, but wisdom is profitable to direct, to be precise. Wisdom in ministry is a Christian with a ready blade. Is your blade ready? Are we going to keep MBT a healthy, thriving church? We've got to submit. We've got to support with our words and actions the principles of our church. And we need to make sure that our weapons are sharp and prepared. Hey, John, will you come up and pray for us? Worship team, will you come up? We're going to close right now. Is that cool with you guys? I pray that I had to move fast. I apologize for that, but I hope that it was profitable to you. I love you guys, and I'm thankful for what this morning means. All right? Father, I thank you for this morning, and what a blessing it is to be a with.